This episode is brought to you by Modern Fertility, Beam, and BetterHelp. Thank you for making our show a possibility. Thank you. Welcome to If These Ovaries Could Talk. <laughs> I'm Jamie. I'm Robin. And we're your hosts. Let me sure. Love is love. If you don't have to make a family, but make a traditional ride. If these ovaries could talk, you'd say. How do I get the sperm through custom? I am a lesbian. So I think gay. It's so gay. We need to tell our story. It's not your nuclear family anymore. It's not just your mom and dad. Thing. We're not ruining these little humans. It's not for the gay reason. It's just because <laughs> we stick. <laughs> Hi, guys. Ooh. Welcome to our ovaries. This is it. The season eight finale. Dum, dum, dum. I feel like we need like a sitcom song. Making your way in the world today <laughs> takes everything you've got. <laughs> uh, if you can name that sitcom. No, oh. cheers. Oh, right, right. That I was did it cheers. Wrong. Sometimes you want to go. Oh, anyway, right, okay. right, right, right. Yeah, okay. All right. Let's get into our first news item. Let's do that. This is an exciting one. We got a Where Are They Now update from Angela and Jess, which if you haven't listened to their episode, it was, mm, it was season so five, episode 16. It was called Help Syndrome. H-E-L-L-P. Two I don't know what that is. If you don't know what that is, go listen to that episode because they're that'll tell not you. only did they teach us some important stuff, they're also hilarious hilarious so much fun with them so hilarious we have an update do you want to read it yeah yeah well we'll both read it jamie how's that okay all right you start okay so we've decided to go ahead and try to get me pregnant we found it yay angela they're already they already have one okay go ahead we found a new doctor met with two different ones before choosing got my labs back which all look good and later this month we do an hsg and depending on how that goes we get to start trying in january yay the only issue, since we initially sold back all our sperm after the traumatic I heard birth that. of Jonah, get that, I understand, we had to repurchase the same stuff, and there were only three vials left, which we snatched up. Like, this dude is fully retired from the program, so we have literally only three tries. Eek! I have to tell you, you guys, you guys, get him out of retirement. The sperm banks will do that, since you already have a child, if, if you need to, if it comes down to it. I did it. I got him out of retirement. Just take some money that was, and some time. That was Jamie. <laughs> That, that was me. I'm just letting you know. Okay. All right. All right. And then Angela said, <laughs> here's hoping I get pregnant within the first two tries because we'll have to figure out what to do with that last vial. Another IUI or IVF. Mm-hmm. And currently my doctor said my BMI is too high for the hospital to perform an elective procedure, which is total BS because my levels were fine and BMI is an outdated method of assuming someone's health level. That is right, Preach. Angela. Preach, Angela. Oh, I, I love this I'm for them. I'm so though. excited for them. They had, they did have a traumatic story, and they, they did. handled it with lightness and humor, and you know our favorite kind of story. And we're just, uh, our fingers are crossed for you. We're yeah. super excited. And there's always that take them out of retirement option. So don't yeah. think it's the end. You never know. You never, never know. know. And I, and I have to tell people that who just listened to the podcast, we do all kinds of these. Where are they nows? But in person on our live stream. We do. So if you haven't started watching that, it's on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, and it's on YouTube and Facebook pages. And it, all the previous episodes live on our YouTube page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're fun. And this, this sadly, is our final episode of season eight. But don't you worry. Don't yes. you worry. The podcast will be back on January 31st. And the live stream comes back on January 20th. So we will be back with you. And it's plenty of time for you to go and re-listen to your favorite episodes or that catch up on the ones you haven't listened to yet. That is correct. I mean... Or go watch those live streams, for God's sakes. There's a lot of them now. And I also want to say a special thank you to our newest Patreon members, Am and Lauren. Woo! Thank and, you, Am and Lauren. And Elizabeth Storm. Me? I mean, thank you both. Thank you. Oh thank you. Oh, my God. And if you want to help us make... This content for LGBTQ families, you can still do that. You can join our Patreon community and you're going to help us make this content Mm -hmm. that we've been doing for almost five years, which I can't believe. You're going to do a good thing and you're going to get bonus content Mm -hmm. at the gestational carrier level because we name them all after different fertility things. You're going to get video interviews of most of the episodes and they are dropped a day early, which is Mm -hmm. fun and exciting and you get to be in the know first. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to head to patreon.com slash ovaries talk. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can help us make this content. Thank you so much. Whoa! (laughs) Now let's get to our guest for today. you should introduce this one, Robin. Yes. Okay, this is Karen Hollins. Uh, Now, full disclosure, I played lacrosse with her in college. 
And I have to say, I am quite thankful that she didn't tell too many horror stories of me in my 20s while I was growing up my mullet and pretending I wasn't a lesbian. I'm thrilled she didn't do that. Oh, I'm not. I wish she had told more, but that's okay. She has a great story about how she had three kids, twins. She gave up a coaching career to be a stay-at-home parent, um, and it was a big transition, which mm-hmm. we can all understand that. And mm-hmm. I think without further ado, we need to just roll this tape. Helen. Now, Helen is on hiatus again, Jamie. She's she's, she's keeps... not there? I thought she was with you. I don't know where she she's is. She's not she's... here. Who am I kidding? It's 1126 in the morning. She's at a bar. She's at the we, bar. We know this. She's... We know this. Some Irish bar she's that's open. Flanagan's <laughs> down there. I was going to say an Irish <laughs> bar. How funny. Because they're always open. Helen's not real, guys. Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, ladies. I'm so happy to have you. I, I just learned a bunch of information that I wasn't privy to before I got on this Zoom. So I'm very excited. I mean, full disclosure, I know Karen from lacrosse in college. So this is like an old school connection. And I fear that she might say some things that I come out bad in. This is like <laughs> when we had my high school friend on the live stream and she dished some dirt on me. I can't wait. There's a lot of material there I could go to early in the podcast, but I think I'm just going (laughs) to drop it as we go a little bit. I think that I think that works beautifully. I think you'd be organic, Karen. I knew Robin when way back. Oh, God. You weren't on the team when I had the mullet. That was earlier. That's before you were gay, too. And I know that, right? All this is BG. All this is before gay. Oh my God. I mean, Karen, you weren't out in college, at least not in the early years when I or the early years when I was there. Yes, not in the early years. It did take a little while. But there, I think there was a reason we all kind of flocked together. Now it's become more yeah. clear. <laughs> oh, let's have a sleepover. <laughs> yeah. Also, I recall you being like, Copley. Do you, do you want a massage? And we were all like, huh, huh. that's interesting. You know, it's, it's athletics. I want to work those muscles out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I, God, the gayest team ever. To be fair, I wasn't out in college either, but I did screw around a little bit. Wait, Jimmy, are you, you gay? Did. I didn't know. See, I'm learning new things about you, too. Here we go. You didn't know I was gay? <laughs> just teasing you. <laughs> Jimmy just got up in her okay. head. Wait a minute. Am I not gay What enough? are you talking about? Do I need to be more gay? <laughs> But you really did just trigger something in me. I like, saw oh my God. I saw it in your face. For those of you paying the upgraded camera view, it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon at the $15 level, folks, at the gestational carrier level, you can see Jamie's you face. see our faces. Uh, I'm going to sign up. Plus, I almost bought with a tushy wushy. I listened to your podcast and oh, great advertising. I was like, I think I'm going to order this. You it's should. The best. You it's get the 10% best. off and it's the Christmas best. present. I, I feel like I'm going to come in the bathroom and my kid is going to shoot me with it. Is it like a water gun hooked <laughs> to the toilet? Well, if you don't sit down, it will squirt straight across the room. It's okay. true if you're not sitting I'm down. I'm telling you though, Karen, and then we will get back on track. Oh Tushy is God. the greatest when you have kids because it's like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're not wiping. So it is the best. And this isn't even okay. an ad. I don't even think they're sponsoring this episode. They're not. They might want to think twice about jumping in on this one. <laughs> We're going to have to send this conversation to them. <laughs> All right. Okay, Karen, okay. are you ready for the 30-second elevator pitch about you and your family? Are you ready? Yes, I okay. believe so. Is this on, time? You know I love a competition. Yes, on your mark. <laughs> <laughs> Get set. Go. Me and my family. I met my wife in Ithaca. It was about 18 years ago now, and we hung out together five or six years before we decided like, yeah, let's have kids. And then we got into the whole rigmarole of like, how do we do that? Okay. So we went through a lot of the normal trials and tribulations, but we ended up having three kids, twins that are nine and an older child, Bodhi, who's 11. And there we are. Here we are now, 11 years later, 30 seconds. Okay. Damn. 30, she, she let us know it was 30 seconds. She didn't let us let her know. Hey folks, do you have big plans for the summer? What about next year? If any of your plans include trying for kids, there's an easy way to learn more about your body while thinking ahead. The Modern Fertility Hormone Test. It's a simple at-home finger prick that unlocks tons of insights into your reproductive health. I'm talking about egg count to menopause timing to possible outcomes for egg freezing or IVF. These are all good things to know if kids are in your future. Yeah, that's why Modern Fertility was created, to make Mm -hmm. it easy and affordable to test your fertility hormones with a simple finger prick. I love it. You Mm -hmm. mail it in with a prepaid label and you get your results within 10 days. It's that easy. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. And we all know that traditional testing with your doctor, it can cost thousands. Mm -hmm. But modern fertility only costs 159 bucks. It's a fraction of that price. Amazing. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash OCT, you get $20 off that price. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. You're going to get insight into your hormone levels, how many eggs you have, and other important fertility factors. And the results go deep into what every hormone means. And you can mm-hmm. also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for your next steps. So if you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, clinically sound info about your body, it's going to help you make the decision that's right for you. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com OCT. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the several hundred or even thousand plus dollars it's going to cost at a doctor's office. So you're going to get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash OCT. Modernfertility.com slash OCT. All right, Karen, let's dig in here. Who carried, like, when you decided you were going to have kids? I mean, you were together five, six years, and then you were like, you were you already like, this is my forever person? Yeah. I, I mean, I was like, this is my forever person. And I always wanted to have kids, and she always wanted to have kids. And then we got down to the, all right, let's do this. And, of course, we went to the most important variable, which is vertical jump. And since her vertical <laughs> jump was better than mine, I thought, we got to go with you. Um, you know, because obviously you can't teach that. And it's a necessary skill in most athletics. Um, so oh, you're, you're talking about, you. wait, oh, you're talking Jamie about like the kid needs, all of I'm so confused because I don't do sports. You are saying like the kid needs to be able to do a good vertical jump. I was saying when you're she figuring out like one. who's going to carry the baby, you're thinking of the criteria. And I went to the most important the, one right out of athletic, the bag. Right. The vertical athletic, jump. Right? Yeah. So, okay. you know, I'm, I'm on the same page. We I'm got on the same page. Okay. So Dre's got a great vertical jump. And she went to Princeton. She's, I mean, my wife's awesome. She's super smart and fantastic. And I was like, hey, between the two of us, I'd say we pick you. How about we go with you? <laughs> I'm happy to be the co-pilot here. Um, so we we went on that and, you know, kind of like most people, I think, wasn't really sure how to get started. And there really wasn't a lot of resources out there at that time. I mean, so much more now, but we really were kind of thinking like, do people really use a turkey baster? Like, right. I, I mean, that was yeah. like a thought where I'm like, wait, is that true? Did you have any other friends in your circle that already had kids that you could kind of gay draft off of or? Um, not a ton, not a ton in this. We knew some people that had had kids, but I don't think a, not a lot to really sit down and say, how did you guys do it? I mean, obviously we're not like 400 years old. We have the internet, you know, but the actual experience, like starting with, okay, the donor, like how will we go about this? I think was that first step, that first challenge of this is re- becoming real. And, you know, we started, I think like a lot of people do with a, with a, you know, cryo bank and, you know, kind of looking through donors. And I found right away that that just didn't resonate with me. Actually, it was really interesting to me. A lot of self-reflection and understanding what my own bias was. Like I would just be asking myself like, well, why do I want this? Or why do I want that? And why wouldn't I want this? And, you know, you really have to take a pretty good look at yourself when you're flipping through. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, I wanted to connect, but I think the whole point was not to connect. And I just felt a little. Do you mean with the um, donor? What do you mean? Like I I wanted to connect. I wanted to feel like a connection in some way. That's what I was curious about because you you said you so quickly got to the point where, you know, she's got the high jump. So let's go with her. But did you have any residual feelings about not being biologically related? Because I know I did. And I talk about that all the time. You know, I really didn't. I think a lot of uh, media, like I remember back at that time, a lot of people would tell me like this, like other mother syndrome and are you going to feel the same? Are you going to have the connection with the child? And, you know, that really didn't, but I always thought that was kind of kooky banana talk. I I just didn't, it didn't resonate with me Uh like the way that, I mean, I didn't think the biological connection was going to be super important. It just, for whatever reason in me, it it wasn't something that kept me awake at night. And and people Uh a lot of times told me, you know, you're going to have to be careful of this and careful of that. And I was kind of hypersensitive to it in the beginning of making sure that the boundaries were really, really firm. And then I found like, you know, a couple months in, I'm like, this is just silly. I was like, this is just wasted energy that really wasn't needed in my process. And I wouldn't encourage people to bring that energy into their process. I mean, the baby's born and you love the baby, you know, like Mm -hmm. whether it's your baby or someone else's baby, babies are very lovable. And so that wasn't a big issue for me personally, 
But I did find myself checking in when I was looking through the donors about what was I looking for, kind of drilling down, well, why am I looking for that? Why do I think that's better or worse or more appealing or less appealing? Or why do I need a child to look like me or not look like me? You know, like Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. really have to have some soul searching questions. And at the end of the day, I just, it just didn't resonate a lot with me picking somebody off a piece of paper. And we decided to go with a known donor. That's so interesting. I don't think we've ever talked Mm -hmm. to anybody that started at a bank and shifted to a known. Not that. And also I want to, I want to dig deeper into like the things that you learned about yourself through this search, because you're hitting on something that I think we talk about a lot is the search for Superman and how we get, we can get so crazy, but also what you're describing too, you got to do some serious soul searching. And I don't think we've really talked about that with the donor search as much. We go right away to kind of the aesthetics of it and, and why you, you get crazy down a loophole about no acne or no eczema. Yeah. But like, talk about the, the soul searching that you had to do. Like, yeah. Did you become more myopic or wider? Um, I Good think, word. Thanks, yeah, Jamie. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look it up real quick. What does that mean again? Myopic. Okay. So you said wider, so it's probably the opposite. Okay. I, I felt like, you know, just really digging in on why I was choosing certain criteria. You know, I think there's so much talk now about inherent bias and how we're raised and the the culture that we're raised in and a lot of that feeling. And I know, and you know, as gay parents, like people come up to you and they want to know, is that your child or isn't your child or it doesn't look like you or it does look like you. And, you know, like, so there is, I think, some of that culturally where we want our children to look like us so we can say they're ours, you know, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. To me, that felt a little like I kind of felt bad flipping through the pages. Like, why wouldn't I want number 42? He's probably a great guy. He probably is super. And then I get to 43. I'm like, but I love him too. Like, why would I not like him? You know, like, so there was a lot of that feeling of, of just kind of like, I just didn't resonate with me feeling like I was self-selecting variables and then wondering were those right or wrong. And These are, you're looking at a cross section of someone. I think sometimes when we look at people, you just pass by them and you make judgments about them and you don't really know them. You don't really know anybody based on that, you know, criteria that you're looking at in a book. So really you might as well just throw darts at the damn thing. Right. Um, So true. And, and they're answering the questions themselves and we don't know if they're actually completely honest. They probably maybe are not. Well, it's human nature to present yourself in the best light, but then that brings the question. Unless you're Jamie and I, we, we do the exact opposite. (laughs) I'm just constantly telling everyone how much we suck. That's, That's our secret way of getting people to like us. I, I kind of <laughs> love the exercise of it, of like, if I was putting myself in a, in a donor bank, like, shouldn't we all see ourselves in our best light? You know, isn't that a nice way to like, what could I contribute to somebody else's family? Like, what a great exercise to do as a person. But then that experience of picking just, you know, it, it, I could have done it. It's not like it was going to be inhibiting, but then we had this other option pop up and it just felt better. It just felt like, oh, this is our option even with all the risks and all the scary stories that they tell you, to me, that felt like the right option for us. So who um, was the first, option that first popped up all, and how did and it also, pop up? I- I'm sorry, I just want to say, Karen, I think you should be the host of this podcast because <laughs> the mean, nuggets She's obviously better than us and we wisdom. all know this, but it's, you know, don't give her our show. Actually, I my mean, agent is on the phone with you. Jamie, if you and I wanted to go off to the side, <laughs> I probably <laughs> that be. I mean, we just got kicked technical. off my podcast. <laughs> oh my God. How did the guy or the person or your donor pop up? So these were good friends of ours and um, they're a you know, male couple that's been married for 10 years and they really didn't want to have kids and they were you know, great friends of ours. And um, we asked and, and he answered and said, yes. And it really wasn't a hard decision. It wasn't like a lot of strings attached. He was like, they didn't want to have kids and he was happy to help us. And he's the kind of guy that would like, he's the kind of guy that has like jumped into a rolling car to save somebody or like, we'll get a kitten out of a tree. I mean, this is like a, like really some of our uh, really older friends who's just a super great guy and a really strong couple. And everyone I think told us all the things that could go wrong. I mean, people are really good at doing that. It's like, you know, it's like before you get on a, you know, take a medicine and they're like, could give you an inability not to go to the bathroom and you you know, like when they tell you all the things that could go wrong in 20 seconds in the really fast voice, it was kind of like that. Everyone's like, I'm like, we found the perfect thing. And then everyone's like, oh my God, so many things can go wrong. And then you start reading on Facebook and then you're like, oh my God, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And then we did it anyway and yeah. nothing went wrong. And so I know wait, there's lots wait, of. What was the other guy in the relationship? 
like, did he have any feelings that he didn't get chosen, that you chose the one guy, not the other? Um, no, not that he mentioned. Um, he seemed just happy. He cries to, alone you know, at night, but that's OK. Yeah, he does cry alone. We call, you know, they're like the kids uncles. We call him uncle. Uh, we often call people that are close to us, you know, uncle and aunt. But um, yeah, us too. no, Same. they really, you know, we had a lot of fun kind of going through the process because they're funny and we're lighthearted. And so we tried to make the process fun as much as it being kind of roller coastery. But, you know, they were they were great. And uh, it, it came out as being, you know, really a situation that started out with challenges, you know, so we had to get an attorney and we had to like, think about all the things like, well, what if Dre gets hit by a bus or what if he dies or I die or the baby's born and then she dies. And it's not between the time when you can give up your parental, you know, like all the weird scenarios. It's like, like, oh my God, I didn't think of that. Like you can think of all the different things that can go wrong and try to mitigate it legally. But at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to happen once a baby's born. You don't know how people are going to feel. You can't really predict it. And you have to have trust in the process and in the relationship to move forward and recognize that. I mean, I guess the worst case scenario for me was like, okay, well, there's more people that love my kid and want to be a part of its life. Like I had to kind of let go of the control of it and just be like, at the end of the day, there are more people that love my child. That's the mindset I had mm -hmm. to go with. And I remember mm -hmm. like his mom wanted to knit what a douche nozzle I am wanted to like knit the baby in Afghan. And I was like, no, because, you know, it's like, no, you can't do that. You know? And I was like, really like, we can't do that. And you can't see the baby until this period is over. And then we wanted like some separate, I don't even remember how many months it was, but it was a couple of months. Like, you know, we built in some safety nets and now I look back, I'm like, um, could we get that Afghan? That would have been handy. You know? <laughs> like, can we get that time you wanted to watch them back? Yeah. You want to take them down? So, you know, all those fears that I had then kind of washed away with just life moving on, but they were real at the time, the other yeah. mother stuff and the like setting the boundaries and they might want the baby back. And, and what are they going to call you? And what are they going to call him? Like, I don't know. We spent a lot of time and energy. Like, is it going to be mommy or mama or Mimu? Or, and I was like, I don't want anything that ends in moo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's go start there. And, you know, like, I don't know, you just spend so much time worrying about being different when in reality, mm -hmm. like it just works itself out. It was a lot of worry that didn't need to take place. I think with the first one, mm. and I think that's a pretty normal experience for everybody. You're, you're definitely yeah. touching on something that we have talked a lot about lately because Jamie and I are not in the throes of making kids. We've done that already. Like my kids are 10 and 12 and hers are what? Seven, seven and four. Is that eight and seven and four? Basically eight and four almost. Yeah. Almost yeah. eight and four. And it's like, once you get past having the kid, all those really hard things of like, what, who's my donor? What, you know, what are they going to call us? All those paperwork and the second parent adoption and that all those things, each one of them by themselves is stressful and a lot and there's fear around it. And then at some point it does dissipate and it just kind of goes away and you're just left being a parent, just like everybody else and yelling at your kids. Yeah. Exactly. And then feeling bad for yelling at your kids. <laughs> yeah, we have Going into the shame spiral. Mm -hmm. And that's real. And yeah, that, that I don't really think that real. ever ends. But also, you know, like for us, everything worked out. And I guess for some families, things don't work out. And so those decisions really did make a huge difference. And not to take away from whatever happened, you know, it, every, everybody's story is different. And some folks' story don't work out as, as well as ours did. And yeah. the decisions we made worked. Um, but we do hear from a lot of people who are going through the process. Like we just had an email from some people who they were having a really hard time establishing boundaries with the in-laws because they wanted to make sure that they got their special bond with their kid first, you know, and now we can't wait to give our kids away. <laughs> yeah. Now I think I wrote back and I was like, I would kill for somebody to my take my kid, but I totally get what you're saying. Leave the Afghan for fear. me. Take the baby. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you make me one? But it's real. Of course, everyone experience is their own. And, and I think those fears are there for, for real purpose, because there are risks and those risks are inherent to the process. Unfortunately, they just are. And I consider us really fortunate to have had the experience that we've had, like anything. Um, and you hope the best for people, but it, it is always important to be mindfully cautious and to have, it is a legal process that you mm -hmm. really do need to have really good representation and a, a strong relationship. And we were really blessed that one, we had the finances to do it. 
had the finances for fertility, for a lawyer, we had education, we had opportunity, a lot of things that not everybody is going to have. So by all means, and from my position, I was able to make decisions that I was totally in control of and really participated in. And not everyone is going to have that same experience, of course, like everything mm-hmm. in life. But there are, you know, there are positive stories like this one where it's been fantastic. Um, my kids have two uncles. Half of the time I'm like, listen, I'm getting ready to drop them off at your house for maybe <laughs> a couple of years. Can I have them back? You know, you know, so now we kid that way, you know, and we're, yeah. you know, we're kidding that way in the sense of, you know, they come and pat them on the head and say hello. And we often see their family and they see our family. And it's like, it, it really is the idea. Like it does take a village. I think we've just really gone away from having villages. And I think a lot yeah. of that has made us feel isolated and lonely as parents. And, you know, we have a digital village, but it's not the same because it's only filled mm-hmm. with happy pictures a lot of the time. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't drop your kids off exactly. with a digital village. Yeah. And I think, you know, this idea of like having more people that love your kid, that was just a mindset I had to decide on. Like anything, when you get into a a difficult process, you can focus on it being challenging or you can focus on moving through it and having it being it, you know, creating the experience that you want. And that, you know, that's really the mindset that we took. And we had a lot of fun doing it. It's the same thing with the birth story, which I know we'll get into, which is always exciting. Okay. So Robin, I uh-huh. really have been sleeping really well lately, really? even with a four-year-old, a wife, and a puppy in my bed. Uh, that is impressive. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I don't sleep well, and I've only got the wife to contend with in the bed. I, well, you want to know my secret? It's uh-huh. Beam. <gasps> I really yes. love this chocolatey, minty, yummy sleeping powder. I drink it at night right before bed, and I'm sleeping like a baby. Oh, I'm not yeah, waking yeah. up. It's great. Jamie, you are talking about Beam's best-selling sleep product, Dream Powder Hot Cocoa. I have that too. And it now comes in this delicious white chocolate peppermint, which really does taste Mm -hmm. good. Instead of eating a piece of chocolate at night or five, I have this. Mm. It gets my bod ready for the perfect night of rest. I love that it has no added sugar or artificial sweeteners, so it's basically guilt-free. Yes, yes. And the nano CBD, the reishi, the magnesium, the L-theanine, and the melatonin. They give you a great night's rest. Without feeling groggy in the morning, Exactly. Guys, so Beam is a functional wellness brand that makes products for sleep, calm, focus, recovery, and hydration. So they have all kinds of great products. But guys, white chocolate peppermint dream powder only lasts for a limited time. So you got to get it while it's hot. Mm -hmm. And great news. For a limited time, if you subscribe to any Beam product, you can also take advantage of their best sale of the year for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. You'll get... 40% off the first three months of any subscription, plus a free mug and a frother, or 20% off any one-time purchase. I love the frother. Mm -hmm. Again, this is Beam's biggest offer of the year, and it won't last long. Head to beamorganics.com slash OCT. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash OCT for 40% off the first three months of any Beam subscription, plus a free mug and frother, or 20% off any one-time purchase. Subscriptions are month to month and can be paused or canceled at any time. Go get that sleep. Well, let's dig into the process. Let's dig into what you guys did. Because you you said in the beginning you weren't sure if you were going to use an actual turkey baster or not. So. Well, the first what one happened? we had, well, we didn't use a drink beer. We used a syringe, like a, I don't know, like a, like a eyedropper thing, you know. Like from Walgreens? Yeah, like totally. CVS. From like CVS, like bought it on the corner and. You know, he would come over and then <laughs> I'd be from like, a dude on the corner sucking it up in a cup and we'd be like, okay, <laughs> bye. And you know, he'd come to the house and it was just kind of funny. And then he'd leave. And then we gave it a shot a couple of times at home. And you're like, oh, this isn't romantic or fun. It's kind of <laughs> messy and awkward. And, you know, you tried a couple of times and it didn't work. And we're like, oh, this, yeah. this is harder than it looks. Um, you know, I can remember times like he was at his house. I'd go to his house and I'd like put the cup in between my boobs and drive home trying to keep it at body temperature. And I'd be like, oh, my God, get it in. And, you know, like you're like, there is sperm between my boobs. Don't think about yes. it. Don't think about it. Don't, Don't think, think about, about it. it. It's in a cup. It's fine. This is this is the warmest place to put it. Um, yeah. So. I don't know. It was kind of like, there's got to be a better way. Like somebody has got to have invented a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't work. So then we did end up all going to a fertility clinic 
And, you know, one of, I think we've really made strides at this fertility clinic because when he went up there, he, he came right out into the lobby and was like, um, excuse me, there's no gay porn in here. So they had like a whole, he came right out in the lobby and was like, we're going to need to make a change. And, you know, so I think we made great strides there in providing a more. You were doing God's work. You really, I really was. I mean, let's be real. You really were. Yes. So now people go in their little room and they've got a much wider selection. Um, <laughs> so going to fertility was, you know, it was an hour away. They had great coffee. I stole a lot of pens. It was kind of like a fertility spa. I mean, you could get like a massage. It was very like wow, couches and it was very earthy, you know, and I was like, well, this is kind of a nice trip to the day spa. You know, like it was kind of fun. So, you know, we tried the IUI for our first child, I think two or three times and, you know, and that didn't work. And we were like, okay, now, what, now what do you do? Like, you know, it starts to get, yeah, cause just, now you know, you're, you're, you're in, you're in the process five months at this now point because, now. Yeah. Yeah. Because also did he have to do his sperm? Like did they have to quarantine it, it? Yeah. Did he have to quarantine it? Um, I don't remember. I don't think it had COVID. Is that what you're referring to? No, because oh, a lot okay. of times when you go to a fertility center, they, they, make you quarantine the, the sperm so they do testing on it and then for they, six months or something but i think uh, that's usually for ivf yeah, i don't yeah, i don't maybe. remember having to wait that long and i remember him saying that he i think broke the clinic clinic record for potable sperm i think he was like really yeah. happy that he had like super strong sperm it was good sperm so you really picked superman yeah he, like, he did a good job so it wasn't really like i don't know this the iui didn't work and then they're like how about ivf and we were like oh okay well that sounds like the next step in the process. And then we did IVF and got pregnant the first time. We were like, why don't we waste all this time? I can do it again. I just would have done IVF. Like why screw around with all this other stuff? Just get there and get it done. So we did the, um, I think they did at that time. It's hard to remember all they do like the egg retrieval and then they put them Mm -hmm. together and then they have lunch and then they put them back and you hope for the best. So I think that was our first crack at it. And, you know, we ended up, uh, pregnant after the first IVF. So we were feeling, feeling good, feeling like, yeah. all right, we, we did Not it. And that's a good time. Yeah. I mean, that was like, okay, it was a long process, but it wasn't, you know, it, it, it ended in being pregnant and we felt good about it. And then, um, did you have you leftover know, embryos like, that you froze? Um, no, I don't think we did freeze any at the first time we, we, had it on demand and then used it. And that was it. I don't think we did a <laughs> on lot. Demand. The second time I think we did, but I don't remember. I had to check in with Dre. I was like, how many, I remember being there and having coffee and stuff, but I don't remember all the details. And <laughs> I, I remember talk about that the tomorrow. coffee was delicious. It was, it was like one of those really high end Keurigs. I Isn't was like, that funny that that's what you remember? Like you're literally yeah, making a baby and you remember the coffee. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. So like in the booties and everything. And I was like, okay. Um, Ooh, can I bring my coffee in? See, that goes to show you all these things we worried about. And now it's like, I don't even remember. I mean, like, all I, don't, I remember is the coffee. I remember it being stressful. I remember Clomid being like a crazy drug. And I was like, oh yeah. my God, this is a crazy maker. Clomid <laughs> makes everyone wild. Oh, because like, your wife was wild. Did it <laughs> well, make her crazy? It was like, definitely made, like, makes you, you don't know if you're emotional because you're like, we're going to have a baby and then you're not. And then I can remember us having like, I don't know, like 20 pregnancy tests. Like you keep peeing, you're lining them up and then you're looking like with a magnifying glass. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think we're pregnant if we need a magnifying glass. <laughs> like, yeah, you're really looking for that line. Yeah, you really, really, looking for that you line. really want There's that nothing line. worse than the half line. Yeah. Uh, you're so, like sort of celebrating and then you're like, I, I think, like, should I we, and then we you, do and another? And you go to the store and you buy like, 10 more. And you buy like 10 different kinds. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah of course you have yeah. to try the different kinds. Well, but then course. I would then be I like, like 10 it kinds. says like your first pee of the day and I already peed. Now we yeah, gotta wait no, till totally. tomorrow. Exactly. Like, don't wait till tomorrow. Or do we take one this afternoon? Will it be less reliable? I don't know. It's a good I test. already had a sip of coffee that probably tainted it. You know, <laughs> like you go into so many places. You go to a really weird place when you're trying to get pregnant. And then yeah, as soon yeah. as you do, then it's like all the stress from getting pregnant shifts to like the birthday, like the birth experience. And then it's like this whole other thing you've got to prepare for. That sounds like, like, I'm like, that's not how I saw it on TV. It's like, they go yeah. in and you come out with a baby. Like, yeah. but there's uh, so all of a sudden we started to take that dive into like, and we live in Ithaca. So this is a hippie place. So I'm like, oh, now I'm reading Ricky Lake and I'm watching <laughs> a movie and I'm like, oh my God, this whole thing's a racket. I didn't realize birth was all about white male doctors and I shouldn't be laying down. I'm going to stand up and have this baby. God damn it. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So you just I, like, all of a sudden you're, you feel like you've been hoodwinked in the media. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Every 
visual I've had of someone having a baby is in stirrup screaming, yep. you know, oh, with yes, a way, yep. you know, and so then I'm like, oh, I've been tricked. So yeah. then I have you to like, do go to that place when you're pregnant. So I read all those the hippy dippy books and yes. I had all these ideas. Yeah. I, ne- I was never doing that. I was like, I am getting the epidural as soon as they will give it to me. Thank <laughs> you. Scene. And my no, coworker me. made me do the hippy dippy class. And I was like, me and Mary, like the two lesbians, we were like Republicans in that class because everybody else was like, we'll be delivering in a tub in our living room. And Mary and I were like, I'm getting the, and I went first. I was like, I'm getting the shot in the cab on the way over thinking I'm being all funny. And they were all just like appalled by us. <laughs> yeah, Rob. And I was like, what? What did I do? What did I say? Oh, man. We, we went old school. We had the baby at home, uh, Ooh, you know, home whoa, birth, brave, no meds, midwife. Yeah. Like, I mean, this was like old school. I mean, there could have been a Netflix series about this. <laughs> so we went like full on granola. Um, so we had a midwife. That was like my dream. Didn't work out. I don't know. Wait till I get to the end of the story. And then Jamie oh, might decide. Oh, see, <laughs> here we go. Uh, well, it was, I mean, you prepare so much for this birth and getting ready for it. And then like, what's it going to be? And we did all the, you know, like the classes and, you know, my part of it was kind of silly. Like they're like, hold an ice cube in your hand. <laughs> and I remember like holding this ice cube and thinking, all right, well, this is uncomfortable, but I got it. It's all melted. See, it's gone. You know, like I did it. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that was a really good exercise. Holding the ice, but I don't think it's the same. I don't tried so hard to make yeah. you feel connected. I don't so squeeze that ice cream. And my wife's like such a champion. I mean, she, I mean, she's just an amazing athlete and, you know, she's like the toughest person I know. And I was like, she's going to rock this baby. This baby's going to be no problem. And, you know, we had a great midwife, but then you start with like the midwife classes and, um, you know, and the midwife had an assistant and like the assistant was really cool. And she was like hula hooping around the yard. She was a super hippie and it was, and it was fun. And the midwife were, you know, they're, you're going through all the process with them. And then at one point they give us like, I was like, what is that? It was like a stretchy vagina thing. I was just like, oh. I was like, kind of like, uh, kind of like my Reebok pump up shoes, you know, where you squeeze the tongue. Yeah. The little, like, uh, squeeze, it's like a little squeeze, bubble squeeze. and they yeah, put like it in your bubble. cervix to yeah. open it. And I was like, okay. I'm like, all right. So we had that. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And you're just like learning with a midwife and you're preparing. Now at this time I didn't have kids yet. And I'm, I like, you know, I like a really clean house and, you know, you're just kind of getting ready to be invaded, you know, like yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, all this stuff, we've got like a stroller and we got a baby, all this baby stuff. And I, my, my, my blood pressure is high already. Cause I'm like, yep. Yep. Oh my God, yep. my whole like catered world where everything's where I want it is soon to be invaded oh, by okay. a child. So, and we're having the birth at home. So yeah. I've got like, Ooh. I don't know, like two inch linear plastic laid. I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm just thinking, picturing you with Windex walking around yeah, the house. Like just I was, like, it was like CSI in my house. And I remember the, the midwife, the assistant midwife in my kitchen, cutting up towels. And I was like, what are we doing with towels? And I didn't even ask, like she wanted to cut up some towels. So I'm like Dyson vacuuming. She's cutting up towels. Like Dre's just starting to get into labor. Now we're walking outside. We're sitting on a hay bale in the barn. We got a big tub set up. We got a hook in the kitchen ceiling with like a yoga swing where you mm-hmm. can like hang. And I was like, so we're just walking around the yard and we're doing our thing. And, you know, it starts to get intense. Of course, you know, I'm doing all the massaging and she's moving around and then she's hanging in the yoga swing. And then <laughs> we're back into the bedroom. You know what it went on for? I think it was maybe seven days. I, yeah, I was like still going on actually. No, like I, it was long. It was maybe seven, eight hours. It wasn't like crazy long, but it was long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you know, baby was coming. It was a 10 and a half pound baby. So oh. yeah. Yeah. So this was, a. did big, you know that? Well, we knew before? it was big. She carried to full term. Well, the twins were 17 and a half pounds and they to- were carried total. to full term. Wow. To- yeah. Total. Total. Yes. Yeah. But that's large twins. It's, you that's, know, like a yeah, nine and is. a seven pound twin is a big twin. But boy, it was 10 and a half pounds and, you know, he came out and, you know, the midwives, there was a lot of like, you know, stitching and fussing and blood and, you know, and, and it was like, got a little dicey. Now we only live a mile from the hospital. So we always felt, you know, we're not against the hospital, but we had this experience. We were very close. We could have transferred in under a minute, literally. So we felt like we had that safety net. Um, But I remember when they had clamped. Well, the, the midwife was busy, like, I don't know, doing something with her little kit of things, but the assistant midwife had clipped the umbilical cord 
And she'd ask me, do I want to cut it? And I was like, oh, I've seen this in a movie. I'm supposed to do this. I'm like, I can do this. Well, she didn't clip the right end. So I clipped this umbilical cord and this thing takes off like a oh, no. fire hose no. and just sprays blood no. everywhere. I'm like, I am like, oh. And you're my. like, my couch. I know. <laughs> I swear to God, I still find specks of blood in the living room. It's like, oh and do you tell your son, you're like, and that's when you ruined our furniture you. and that's <laughs> yes, exactly. So it was just one of those moments. And then, you know, and then they kind of like, you clean everything up and then they like get on their bicycle and they're gone. And I'm their like, I'm like, um, <laughs> bicycle. We're, I'm like, we're alone with a baby. Yeah. And, and by the way, if you, if you give birth at home, you just stay home. You don't go to the hospital. No, you're just done. But, they, but they, they come go. in and check on the baby. And yeah, stuff, they come right? in and they weigh it and they bring like a, literally it looks like a stork scale. They bring like a towel mm-hmm. with a hand thing on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were very like, we don't need to get all those tests that they do in the hospital. We'll only do the ones we have to do, you know, against the man. They can't make us test for this and that or whatever they test for. I don't remember now, but we didn't do any of those. We did the bare minimum and, um, you know, and then you're just home and they're gone. And then I'm like, okay, we're home and we, we have a baby. Um, and here it is. And they've left and now we're totally unsupervised. You're never prepared. You're no, never prepared. Uh-uh. no. And Dre was great. I mean, she, she was, you know, she was a trooper, obviously. I mean, I didn't have the baby, but I mean, it didn't look like a lot of fun. Um, and, and so <laughs> she was doing great and, you know, and there I was, uh, have a baby. So that, that was kind of our, our first process with the first one was just a straight up home birth. And how soon before you were like, we're having another one? What's your age difference? Yeah. They was are that two years. Plan? Yeah, they okay. are two years. So we wanted to keep them close because after you go through the baby stage and then you're like, oh my God, I'm going to do that again. Let's just mm-hmm. do it now before, mm-hmm. like, before you get rid of that. diaper. Like we never got out of diapers. You know, yes. you're, I had infant twins at home and a two-year-old oh. and that was like a wild ride. And I had retired from coaching at that point and was home full-time. I was full-time mom. With the, you know, Bodhi was two and the twins were infants and I was like way in over my head. Yeah, it was, that was a challenging (laughs) one. But the second, the twins we had at the hospital because they were so big and uh, my daughter and Dara was breech. And I think they were like all twisted, you know, they, at that point they were so big and twins in this country is considered high risk. And she was upside down and there was all this like, well, he's going to come out and suck her out. And then she's going to come this way. And I was like, I don't know how that's all going to happen. And, you know, and then, you know, before we had the second ones, they're like, do you want to have them? And I was like, uh, no, I was there at the first birth. Why would anyone choose to have it after seeing that? I was see like, that umbilical cord? I was like, see no. It? So your I'm wife really had both good. of them? She had both or all of them. three. Yeah. I mean, all three. Yep. Oh, uh, what yeah. a chance. Like, you did so good the first time. I think you should just stick with it. You know, you did great. You should just stick with it. Plus the vertical jump. Don't forget the jump. Yes. Jamie, we need to remind people that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I have to tell you, I'm excited about it because there is a new variant on the rise and my stress levels are through the roof. Well, that's why you need BetterHelp. Yes, exactly. BetterHelp. (laughs) They're going to assess your needs and they're going to match you with your own licensed professional therapist or my needs. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. I love BetterHelp. I know. Just for that reason. I know, me too. And I think our listeners do too, because it's not Mm -hmm. a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy that is done securely online. Yes. And there is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. And the service is available for clients worldwide. Worldwide. You know who loves that? Mary loves that. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. And Mary always gets timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, Mm -hmm. you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, which I hate, as we do Mm -hmm. with traditional therapy. And Mary loves that, too. Yeah. And also, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they also make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. And Mm. it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. I mean, come on, folks. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to visit betterhelp.com OCT. That's better H-E-L-P. And you are going to join the over 2 million people who have taken advantage 
and they have changed their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Wow, Jamie, you've really been doing your research. Uh-huh. Don't forget I about have. this special offer, folks. If these Ovaries Can Talk listeners are going to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com OCT. Your donor friend was still on board for the for yep. the next one. Yep. We did the, now that one was a little bit harder. We start, we're like, okay, we just go right to IVF. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, why start anywhere else? You just, you know what how works. Old, what, how old were you guys at this point? Um, well, I'm, what am I now? 49. So I was 40 and Dre was like 37, 36. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and so because it worked old. the first time, were you just assuming, oh, this is going to work right away? Yeah, I think we were really pretty optimistic. Like, I mean, you've got full on science here. You know, it's like, you know, they're putting everything together, then they're bringing it in. But we had to do it like four times. I think it was oh, four really? times for the twins. Did your yeah. insurance cover IVF? It did. Yeah, it covered okay. a lot of it. Yeah, we have really good say. insurance through Dre's company, Accenture shout out, because they have a lot of really good uh, coverage. It's great. So we were very, very lucky. But I remember going in there and they're having like a like a sale, like buy five IVF and get two free or do like, and I was like, this is a weird sale (laughs) because it's like, I don't know if I buy five, but what if I get pregnant before you're trying to hash hash out financially? Like, is this a better deal? It's It's a a racket. I'm like, well, if I buy five and only use one, can I donate four? or like, how does it work? You know? And then you're deciding at the time, how many eggs do you want to put back? Um, We put back two with Bodhi and just got Bodhi and that was great. And I think we did I think we did the same the first time with the twins, but then as you don't get pregnant, you start to think, oh, maybe put all should... in there, put six in. Yeah, I was like, well, how many will fit? You know, I'm asking all the very <laughs> obvious questions. And I think that was like around Octomom time, like, you know, yeah. fertility was still kind of coming along. And it was like, and then you have to ask yourself that question, like, well, w- would you deselect if you needed to? And then you have to go through that internal search of asking yourself, well, you know, where do I fall on the scale of, is yeah. this life? Is it, a, you know, and that could be a whole other episode, but yeah, that but, you was, know, I, that, I remember that decision, having yeah. to make that decision. And like, I remember really, really had to have serious conversations. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a, it's a serious matter. I mean, for just trying to think about, but I only, if I only have so much money and I am trying to get pregnant and do I want to put more back, but one, if I end up with three kids and I can't afford three or I don't, you know, like you can think of all the practical thought that goes into making that decision. Yeah. Um, well, they, and, and for those at home who might not know this and who may be going into the process, when you do IVF and you do put multiple embryos in, they, they make you sign a form. They, they ask you if you would be, if you're going to be able to deselect, like it's a, you really have to make the decision before you put them in. Yeah. And that, that is a tough, you know, that can be a tough question. And I guess it isn't for mm-hmm. everyone, but it can be, and it does make you have to make some decisions. And so we, I think we did two the first time and then three. And, you know, Dre really wanted twins. She was, she was like hoping for twins and I was just, you know, whatever comes along, but I was kind of like, oh, I hope we don't have like three like that. That gets, that would be tough. You know, I was, you know, you, I wanted healthy, but you know, you just figure you, you go with what you got, you, you figure it out. And we actually, we did have a friend at the time that had triplets that had had uh, IVF triplets. And, um, yeah, that is no, that's not for the light at heart. That is a serious job. <laughs> I had like triplets the hard way. One was like running already and the other two were infants. So we, it did uh, yeah. take us a, a bunch of times with the twins to get pregnant. And that was a real roller coaster. I think because expectations of it being easier than it was, then there's the financial and then there's the time in between and the ups and downs of the timing. And you want them to be, you know, you, you have kind of a plan. And I think the best plan going into it is don't make a plan because you really just kind of have to, you know, you're just along for the ride and you do the best you can. And, you know, we got pregnant with twins and it was, and then we we're so excited and it was awesome. And then that birth experience was like totally different because we, we wanted to deliver at home and we talked with our doctor and our, and the midwife and there was just so much, you know, it's a, it's a risk-based decision at that point. It's liability. It's not really about you or your experience. And I think by that time, we had a much better frame of reference for understanding that birth is like one day in a lifetime. So where, you know, where you were so like, it's like a wedding day almost like you put so much into it, but then you still got to be like married for the rest of the time. Like it's like yeah. one day you wanted <laughs> you it to be to special. Parent. You still have to parent. Right. So then, then we're going into like the nurse, like we're going to go into the hospital and then wanting our midwife 
to really, we, you know, there was kind of that defense of not wanting to be told what to do and wanting to have our process. And so you kept, well, you kept your midwife and brought your midwife into the hospital. Yep. And, and how does that work? Does the midwife, can you be like, we want the midwife to deliver the baby? You guys are back up or how does that work? Actually, we didn't bring the midwife. Mine said so we brought a doula. Oh, so okay. we had a, we had a midwife and a doula and the doula came to the hospital with us. And the doula was like our birth advocate. So she would help. And she was like an angel that walks on earth. She's just one of those people. So she helped facilitate the, the conversations about, you know, okay, they said they'd let us labor for a little while. And then, you know, we were there like 20 minutes. They're like, okay, you're in distress time for the epidural. You know, like it, it went really, really quickly from, you might be able to deliver these naturally to we're doing a C-section, you know, we, yeah. and, and uh, Dre did end up having an epidural. And then I remember like all of us sitting around, like eating a sandwich. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we we're like, oh, this is, not such a big deal. Like, you know, modern medicine, here we go. And at that time we felt safe. We felt like we made a decision that was for, you know, it wasn't about our process that day. It was about having kids come out healthy. And it is true to, you know, you don't know how they're positioned. And I, there wasn't any reason to take a risk that one might get stuck or tangled or come out the wrong way. Or, you know, there's so many things that it was like, well, why would we even bother with this risk? It's not worth the risk. So we, we did it that way. And, um, you know, we went in for a C-section and I like stayed with the babies. The babies never left me. I, you know, that was part of my birth plan is that they couldn't leave me. They couldn't take them. I didn't want them, you know, pick, I wanted to have them on me right away. And they test for all sorts of weird things. And we opted out of most of that. And then there was like getting to know the nurses and everyone tells you, you know, you bring like, I, was, I remember bringing like bring cookies. They're always yeah, like, like, yeah, you're bringing bring things. things. And I'm I like, know. okay. There's something about that, that they get into your head of like, make sure you bring cookies and stuff for the nurses. It's just like, I mean, all props to nurses and doctors. I mean, they're doing wonderful work, but I'm just kind of like, I'm having a baby. Like, I don't have time to be thinking about bringing you a gift bag or, or cookies. <laughs> like, could you just deliver? It and then I'll thank you after. Exactly. I know. I'm like, I'm just going to bring a hundred dollar bills. I think that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> doesn't great. it? Like. <laughs> You know, it's just a totally different experience to have like two babies in those like baby Nick, yeah. like those little plastic cribs. And, mm-hmm. you know, but then it was in, in, in retrospect though, I was glad to have 24 hours. My parents were home with Bodie and, you know, I was like, oh, we better rest up here because life's going to get really real when we walk out of here and you're walking out of there carrying two car seats, you know, and then you're like, and you have a toddler at home and you have a toddler oh, and then you're like, okay. How do you go to the bathroom? How do you go to the grocery store? How do you you do anything? Yeah, like how do you move about the world when you have both hands full and one strapped on your back? And how so did you do was, that? <laughs> well, you know, I had a system for lots of things. The first part was like fun, was like showing up at, you know, it was maybe like a week after their birth, and I'm coming in on a unicycle and everyone's like, You look great. I'm like, I know, don't I? Watch this. I love that. I can do I a love cartwheel. That too. You know, they're like, <laughs> you know, so that was like kind of the fun part. I'm like, ah. It was no problem, you know. I would let people believe that I had given birth just because it was fun to me. Exactly. Oh my God, you look so good. Thank you. I know. I'm like, but yeah, the, the weight came right off. Know. I'm right back. I know. It was like, yeah, I don't even put out. any weight yeah. on. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that was fun. But there were a lot of like, how do you, um, you know, do those basic things? How do you sleep when, you know, how do you nurse two baby? You know, you had that boppy. But then we had like oh, a jungle poppy. It was like an inner tube. And, and then it's <laughs> yes. like, I'm like, oh my God. I, like, and you're trying to get them. I was trying to position the babies for Dre to feed them. And then you're trying to feed them at night and there's two of them. And then you still have a two-year-old oh, and it, it's crazy. And I was, you know, they have those wraps that come with those very important instructions. Mm-hmm. I was like, hold one in the front, hold one in the back. I'm going to spin <laughs> in a circle. Just get them <laughs> on me, you know, so I can <laughs> Walk around the house. Um, you know what's so like crazy? I think about all the time. I think, and, and you had it, you had a triple whammy, like with all your kids, but even just one baby, even one baby. I look at new moms now, like moms with really tiny babies, like walking down the street now. Mm. And I, and I want to just say to them, you're doing a good job, mom. Doing because good. you got this. Because, because I know, used to, before I had kids, I used to think, oh, she knows what she's doing. She's got this. Like, I didn't realize all of the worry and the doubt and the fear, like, you have when you're holding a baby in a baby carrier on your boobs and like, oh my God, is it breathing? Is it breathing? Yeah. Like constantly. Yeah. And I, you don't realize that until you go through it. And now all I want to do is every time I see a woman with a little tiny baby, just go, you got this. Mom. Or just the, the struggles like from one to two was a really big struggle. Oh, of like, God. how do you get out of the house? Like oh. I like trying to figure out what, cause I had, my kids are two years apart. So it was like a two year old and a, and an infant. And I was just like, 
how do I go down subway stairs? How do I like just just getting your little systems in place? So I, I imagine that must have been so difficult with three babies under yeah. two. You know, yeah. when you have a baby, all of a sudden you think like, well, I can clearly make a baby product. You know, I came up with lots of baby product <laughs> prototypes because that's just part of the baby process, <laughs> you know? And then I was like, okay, well, at least I'm balanced with the two car seats, but those things are heavy, you know? And so it's like, heavy. and then you've got like the two-year-old. So like going to Wegmans, I put one in the car, in, a, in the car seat, like in the basket, one car seat on the, you know, where they're supposed to sit, one on my back. And then I would clip the groceries to the side of the cart. Now this is before like, <laughs> <laughs> this is before like DoorDash and you could get anything <laughs> delivered. This was like, and then I, you know, I can remember as they got older, they have at, at the Wagmans in Ithaca, they have like four double carts, you know, like this the is cart. the grocery store. Yeah. Right? The yeah. Grocery the store. So they have like four carts that have like, like a double little car thing hooked to it. And I remember like, if that cart wasn't there, we couldn't grocery shop. And I can remember like <laughs> going in and being like, I know someone has this cart that doesn't have two kids and believe you me, <laughs> if I car. find you, uh, you know, you being like enraged, like yeah. how could you? God damn it, where's the yeah. double cart? Yeah, like you're like looking around, it's circling the parking lot, looking rage. for the double cart. Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> and you're just like, at that time, you're just so out of your mind, exhausted and trying to figure yeah. it all out. And before I'd be like, I'm the kind of person at Wegmans, like I won't even need a grape until I pay for it. You know, you can maybe <laughs> A little nibble. <laughs> Once you have kids, it was like, I'm just pulling stuff off the shelf. Yeah. I'm opening it here. I'm opening diapers. I got a sippy. I'm like, I'll pay for it at the end. Changing a diaper. I'm in literally the aisle, like... in the aisle, changing a diaper. No regrets. Totally. Yeah. And you know, people walk by and they look at you and they're like, they're feeling it for you. And you're like, yep, here we are. Mm-hmm. So you're like, what I'm doing. doing the best That's what I'm doing. Can. Yes, you do. You're doing the best you can. And like, yes, just yesterday we were traveling on the three-way and I saw mom in the, you know, in the gross, like New York state three-way stop trying to change diaper with a newborn and she had a two-year-old and the two-year-old was like swimming in the sink and mom was like Ugh. yelling and dad was out in the lobby just like looking at his phone and I was like yeah, I know, you know. I know and you just you don't even need to say anything you're just like yeah hand me the wipes I'll hold it down change the baby I'll get the kid here's a paper towel you know like yeah. you just jump in because it's such a sorority when you're a mom and you see another mom yeah. and you know that they just need a friendly hand. You know, yeah, you don't even need, need to say anything. Hand. Just like, you want me to hold the kid for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Go to the bathroom. How, how old are they now? You said 11 and, and nine. nine. Twins are nine and my older one's 11. When did it get manageable? Like what age? Did you feel like you like, I got this? You know, once I went back to work and they went to school, I st- once you start to see like yourself a little bit again, I started to feel like, okay, I can do this. You know, c- staying home after having a career, you know, for 20 years of coaching and just being, and then all of a sudden you're just home and you're mm. just trying to make sense of the day. I mean, there were days I was like, Slowly. get rid of all the clocks, leave the lights <laughs> on all the time because I didn't want to know it's, it's like, like, Vegas. like a seal training. You know, it's like, I don't want to know it's 3am because it's so hard when you're not sleeping and our kids didn't sleep well. And I can remember being like in between their cribs with like my arms one in each crib and one oh, would wake up the uh, others like dominoes. And then one would wake up the other one. And I was like, Oh uh, my God, you know, and then it's finally like, and then they tell you, you're going to crush them when you're co-sleeping. I was like, I think that's something men do. I think men roll over on babies, but I don't think women do because the it, it like, it makes a coup. Like you never really sleep again. Like you yeah, have this no. kind of sleep hearing now where it's like, I can hear them like roll over uh-huh. two rooms away. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, there is no way I'm going to roll around this baby. I guarantee it. Cause I'm never really asleep. I never sleep, yeah. really sleep again. You're just, so, jo- you're dozing. You're That's, dozing. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of it, yeah. it's like, you just push all the beds together like a European family and hope for the best. I literally, I I'm not kidding. I want to put a King bed in my kid's bedroom. I just want to put a King yeah. bed because then, then it doesn't matter. Then, okay, I'll come in there. That's fine. Exactly. Okay. Come in here. Okay. Okay. We'll all go in there. Like, and you have to make I'm those done. like life or death decisions when you've like fallen asleep on your kid's bed and your arm is you're aching and you have to go to the bathroom, but you know, if you move game you over, you're it. starting back you at zero. It. So it's like, how long hold can you that hold pee. that position? Like, how I'm just going to, I'm just going to pee right here. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> will clean it up. I never tried that one. I never tried that. I've not, I haven't done that one yet, but I have held my pee very long and like dozed in and out. And been like, no, I can hold it longer. Like you're just like, you know, you can't move. And then like, and then a dog will bark or you hop off the bed and you're anyone who's just in the beginning, the process right now is like, we could wait another year, (laughs) (laughs) but it's totally worth it. Let's talk about how worth it it is. Like right now you're in the golden spot. They're nine and 
11 and they're not quite teenagers yet. You know, I don't know. I'm not there yet. So I'm trying to find what's great about it. I don't know. Oh, it's this is a wonderful age bracket right now. It's just the sweet fourth spot. Fourth grade, third, fourth, fifth grade. Great age. Well, because they still they still like Henry still holds my hand everywhere we walk. Like he always grabs your hand. And like some point I have to take it back and I go, it's sweaty, man. My hand is sweaty. But he's still like he still wants to hang out with you. Is no shame. Maxine still wants to come in and watch bad TV with me. It's like such a nice like she's a little tooty, but it's not awful. It's like it's such a nice age range. Yeah, I agree. Once you get once they're school age or you get a little bit of schedule where you have a little time to yourself, um, you get to enjoy them a lot much. You know, just because you're getting a break, you're getting time to kind of recharge and then engage with them, and it's super fun. I mean, they're doing sports and mining and playing and we play with them and like it is fun and they have things they want to do on their own once they can be independent and they want to go outside and you can you know sit down you just start to get normalcy you do get through it and you know like I tell anyone having young kids I'm like listen don't make any big decisions until they're six because you can't see it when you're in it when you're in it it's all consuming you know you're kind of just like in the eye of the storm and it's like swirling around you and you and it's really hard to have perspective when you're just starting, but from people that have gone through it, you know that this too shall pass and kind of, you know, you just got to dig in and enjoy the chaos of it. And, you know, I wasn't one of those moms where, you know, I felt kind of isolated because I often didn't feel like I was enjoying it as much as everyone told me I should. Like, I found it really difficult. I found it hard Mm -hmm. to keep my, the self that I knew I was exhausted. I felt lonely. A lot of times I had a lot of good people around me, but still the day I was used to such a, a, just a different role that kind of that's, it was like the same day over and over again. And you try to make it fun and interesting and challenging. Like I started a business when the babies were like a bounce house Mm -hmm. business, because I was like, I have to do something. So literally I had four commercial bounce houses in my backyard. Now that I would recommend, like if you're doing a baby shower, mm -mm, get them a commercial bounce house. And those, they were all blown up in the yard. It was like Chuck E. Cheese in my backyard. And I would like deliver them on the weekends with my dad and Dre would take the kids and I would get a little bit of time. And I'd be like, I'm doing something, but like, who does that? Yeah. Like, I'm like staying home, but I needed something. You need something. To do. And, yeah. and you, you didn't just have the babies. You changed your whole life, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that really can throw you for a huge And loop. you can't underestimate that loss of self. Right. It's yeah. like, you don't have who you were. Right. And you were yeah. trying to figure out. metamorphosis. Like, yeah. Who was I and who am I now and what's my role? And then, you know, if I'd have gone back, you know, maybe I should have gone to back, back to work sooner, but I really felt like. I had Bodie, I was still coaching when I had Bodie and he'd come to the office, he'd come to the field. And my graduate assistant ended up being like my nanny, you know, it was like, hey, I'm going to play a practice and you're going to watch a baby. You know, he was always around and it was great, but you could start to feel that you can't be a full-time person for two families and your team is your family. And then your family's your family and it's something had to give. And, and it was that, and I felt ready. It was, I felt ready at the time. And you know, I felt like, oh man, I'm going to wear flax and I'm going to be relaxed and I'm going to have kids <laughs> and I'm going to bake. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm still me. I'm just me with kids. And so yeah. like, no, and I'm I like, we're going to get up bake. and go on a forced march every day because this is who I am. Like I had to like, kind of like, so I'm like coaching the kids at home. You know, I'm like, nope, that's a yellow card. You're going in the corner. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, so, so, you know, the person I thought I might be like, you kind of come back to true self and recognize like, this is who I am. So I just have to find a way to make it adapt to having to being a full-time parent. And then when they went to school and I went back to work, it was much easier to settle into finding a routine where I felt like, yeah, okay, this is who I am. And, and that just, that, that made it a lot easier. I'll look back at it as being like, I loved it. And there's so many great memories, but it was really hard. It felt isolating and challenging and some people love it and they can't get enough of it. That just wasn't me. You know, like I felt like it was a tough balance for me. Um, but I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad I took the time to do it because I learned a lot about the process. And, you know, I'm much stronger because of it. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. This was so wonderful. So many nuggets. Of I know. Wisdom. Well, happy to do it. And uh, this has been a ton of fun. I'm thrilled to get to chit chat with you guys and, um, you know, tell a story. I love it. she hilarious Aww. and sweet she's fun she was a lot of fun i like her i love how she took you with the vertical jump you had no idea what she was talking about of course not you were like what what, I mean, what 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 vertical I, jump i figured it out come <laughs> on but it took me a sec it just makes perfect sense to me that 
you two are friends from college. Mm. You fit together well. Mm. I actually really loved her. She's awesome. Yeah. And I just, so the way that she talked about parenting and her approach and all the growth, it was, it was really, it was wonderful. And, Intentional. And, uh, there as is. I said, I love that she didn't bash me. Good times. <laughs> all right. Okay. Thank you, Karen. All Hollis. right, guys. All, all right. right. Well, Jamie, you know. season eight is a wrap. I know. It makes me sad every time. I know you get super excited because you no, have time I, that's, off. Stop saying that. It is not that, it's not that I'm excited. It's over. I am proud of eight seasons. Like that's all, that's an incredible accomplishment. And I'm so thankful to everyone who supported us and who listened and who sent us emails and helped us book the show. I mean, that, that's incredible. You guys are all fantastic for really sticking with us and being a part of this community. Thank you for joining us week after week, tuning in. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're really grateful to have yeah. you. And we just, we read all the emails. We get back to you as soon as we can and we cry over them. It's just, it's all powerful. And I don't know. Well, well go go take care of yourself. Be good to each other. We're going to be back be with the live stream on January 20th. Spread some love. And January 31st for the podcast. And we are always just a DM, a Facebook messenger away or an email. Here we are, Ovaries Talk, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the TikTok. The TikTok. We are also If These Ovaries Could Talk on YouTube. And don't forget, you can support the podcast and join our community on Patreon at patreon.com slash ovaries talk. And that's where you're going to get that bonus content, which is always fun. Yes. Um, and you can always send us an email, ovaries talk at gmail.com. Yes. We're, we're everywhere. Everywhere you never wanted us to be. And thank you to our sponsors, Modern Fertility, Beam, BetterHelp. You all are helping us make this podcast. And a huge thank you to all the Patreons. I mean, we, we couldn't do it without you. No. No, we couldn't. <sighs> and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate, go recharge. However you celebrate, even if it's just a cocktail every night. That's right, Jamie. <laughs> that sounded a lot like you understand that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make it through somehow. You got to make it through somehow. 11.26. Let's go get a cocktail, Jamie. Eggs. <laughs> Wish. Ovaries. <laughs> Mimosas. Out. Oh, my God. Out. Out. <laughs> if these uh, uh, ovaries could talk, they would say. Eggs, ovaries, out.